When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, as I'm sitting here in my office, I wish you guys all are doing well with your family and friends and staying safe and taking the lockdown pretty seriously. I do believe that uh, until antibody tests or COVID tests are more readily available for the public, that we need to take care of ourselves and just really refrain from going out in public as much as possible because... This this thing is killing people around the world. I mean, it's very clear. It's a very serious issue. No one's immune to it, right? There's no evidence that even if you did have it, that it clears you from getting it again. It's a new disease. It's a new virus. So uh, nobody knows anything about it. So it's best for you to kind of... Kind of situate yourself. Uh, this is your life for the next year and a half. Uh, everyone's being optimistic um, about vaccines being 18 months from now from being created, but most vaccines don't get created usually in four or five years. So, I'm not saying that we have to stay in the house until then, but Realistically, though, uh, until testing is more readily available, antibody tests and all that stuff that you can go to your local CVS store or, or drug store and, and get tested. It's so unsafe to um, to go out there. I know it's taking a toll on mental health and everybody's definitely struggling economically. And there's a lot of desperation out there with people protesting over the past few weeks. But I think the faster you kind of cope with this is the new life for at least the rest of the 2020. At first, I thought until the end of summer and that felt like pushing it. But I'm, I'm beginning to to really come into grasp that this is going to be 2020 for for a lot of us here. So I'm based in the United States and um, uh, Orange County specifically and uh, due to public pressure. I think a lot of uh, government officials are, are kind of lifting restrictions. I think it's a mistake. Um, all you need to do is just look overseas at countries that were hit with this virus earlier than we did to kind of see what kind of outcome and, and, and really judge on what we should do. Uh, it's uh, it's funny how people are kind of acting on their own, especially in the United States. Every state kind of have its own regulations and and measures. And, and taking actions on their own, but you only need to look at the original, the origin of the outbreak, which is China, Wuhan, where they're f- just finally letting families basically reunite after three, four months of quarantining. Right. And their outbreak started in November and it's only May. Right. And they were super strict from the get go, a whole national lockdown. We, we're not even doing that just yet. And then you look at Italy, who are um, starting to see the curve flatten. 
going through their horrific turn of events. And uh, they're being a little bit more open about the type of struggles they're facing with people really struggling with mental issues, being locked down uh, like prisoners, basically. And I think that we're, we're at the early phases of that, where people are just very um, feeling suffocated inside their homes right now. And I, I get that. I mean, I'm very thankful I have a house and an all right backyard. Uh, I, I can see definitely the struggle on top of the economic problems, how people stuck in their smaller apartments. Oh man. Yeah. That, that would uh, definitely drive you crazy, but it's, um, it's a lot better to, I think, to accept that this is what the rest of the year looks like and not keep thinking that the end of the month that this will be over because you're really just pushing your own sanity (laughs) (laughs) until you break right but if you just accept this as i am starting to accept that this is the way it is um uh, i've i'm trying to find a new normal right and i I think it's healthy to think that way because there's no way things are going to be back to our normal before this all happened there are going to be a slow rollout of how society will function so I want you guys to kind of be out here, listen to more podcasts, listen to more episodes. Uh, but I want to share that with you guys because, you know, um, I, I definitely understand uh, what you're going through as we're going through this all together around the world. But hold on. Hold on out there, guys. Uh, it's uh, pretty it's pretty nuts because, uh, you know, the uh, Orange County coast, uh, that where, that's where I'm from in California. They basically open up the beaches, right? And then what happens when that happens? 40,000 people flock to the beaches in Orange County, of course. So the next two weeks is going to be interesting to kind of see like a influx of new infections. Uh, that, that is a guarantee for sure because I, I looked at all those photos. Nobody, <laughs> they weren't wearing masks on the beaches, right? Completely exposed. Um, and that's that's what happens, so it's just only extending our time inside the house. But yeah, that's the problem when you lift up bands. Uh, who's to say who's not allowed to go to these public areas, right? Everybody will want to go. Uh, and how are you going to stop that? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Insane times. But if anything, been more and more focused on what the next couple of months look like for both Blue Champs and Games Go Online. So let me kind of go over those news real quick. Um, for Blue Champs, the GDUX at ME is happening for the third time or the first time, 2020, part one is happening. From June 1st to June 3rd, from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific time, join us to a free live streaming event, right? So if you guys ever attended the first two, it's a place for me to talk to game developers and give a platform, a voice for game devs, right? This was originally created last year, a virtual conference that is available to anybody with an online connection to go and watch talks that is relevant to their own careers. And the gdux.me presentation and what makes it different is from any other conferences, including all the virtual conferences that are kind of popping up this year, is very simple. 
And it's the same story that I've been trying to get to with every interview that I do on Game Dev Unchained and uh, and all the talks that we had last year, which was a total of 28 talks, was to kind of tell a personal story of the presenter, right? Of learning just not just the wins, but also the struggles, the barriers that they had to face and make it super relatable. So basically learning the hero's journey of every presenter and um, and through their experience, we can really take that away and apply it to our own career. So this year is pretty, pretty awesome, guys. You want to go over there, go to gdux.me, again, gdux.me, and RSVP so you don't forget the date. And we're mixing it up this time. So not only are we having speakers having amazing talks, we're including dev streams. That's people uh, and teams that are releasing games or recently released games this year that are going to be live streaming their game demo. And in the background, having a casual conversation with me, kind of like a behind the scene commentary from the team development themselves. Uh, highlighting stories behind the development, highlighting their their struggles for putting together that demo. So we're putting in game stream with a twist, and it's going to be super interesting to kind of look at the game that they're releasing this year or in the near future. But also getting insight from the game developers themselves about how they actually created the game. And uh, it's going to be very interesting. And including with all this, we're uh, having all types of segments throughout the three days. On top of that, uh, it's going to be very fun. I'm doing a few things that should be uh, pretty interesting. So if you guys are listening to the podcast, you know, GDUX was created for you guys. So hopefully I can see you guys there live and interact and you know, always looking for support in that way and just creating entertainment for you guys while learning, basically. It is Game Dev Unchained Expo. That's what GDUX is. So uh, every every time we do it, it's getting bigger and better. So hope to get hope to see you guys out there. So you'll be hearing me throughout this uh, month of May with more GDUX.me uh, talks uploaded to kind of give you guys a taste but um, we're looking at about 16 to 18 presenters for this one. So it's just going to be pretty fun, pretty awesome. So I've been pretty busy with that. But hard to argue. I have a lot of time to kill. <laughs> so putting up this conference, talking to a lot of people and uh, making it better and better every time. Super excited. Um, and I'm learning more of this broadcasting thing too. So. It's been a fun experience. So uh, enough of the intro. I, I kind of want to introduce what this episode is about. So uh, Shora ha- have been on this podcast a few times. And this time is he's sharing his experience at Naughty Dog. And overall, we're talking about the idea of contractors being overused in the AAA industry and um, somewhat abused uh, in terms of just not having full-time benefits <laughs> and all that. Uh, it's been a problem that's kind of been happening over the last 
five, six years, right? It's becoming more prevalent uh, with these huge studios. Um, basically high-end contractors more than full-timers. And, and, and incentivizing contractors with full-time positions, but really 1% really get converted, right? So we go over this whole topic and uh, it was super awesome to kind of hear more of his perspective of what it was like at Naughty Dog while I was working there. And it kind of ties in with everything. I think as of today, it was just announced that the postponement of Last of Us 2, which uh, Shore has, did work on uh, when he was there uh, before he left, uh, was delayed until July, I believe, right? So it's coming out in a couple of months. Should take advantage of this pandemic. It's a perfect time. Uh, it is a shame that it got delayed, but it's a reoccurring thing, right? If you guys don't, haven't gotten the memo, there's going to be a lot of games that benefit from this pandemic if they're already out, but there's going to be a lot of games that, ha- that haven't been released that will be pushed back because everybody is working from home. It's a skill and a discipline that has to be learned. And I would say most people have a lot of trouble uh, converting to that type of self-discipline. Uh, even though they're working for a huge team and stuff, there are so many distractions at home. And even for myself, uh, when I was first doing it, it was a very tough transition. So uh, to hear the game that it's coming out uh, two months after the, that it was supposed to be released and still take advantage of this, I, I'm very happy for Naughty Dog and their team to kind of benefit from that. Uh, even though this episode was focusing on what is wrong with just not just with Doggy Dog, but with uh, bigger studios around the industry. I think in the end, we all want the same thing, which is great games, great work culture. And uh, even with all these bumps, I think we will figure it out eventually. So, without further ado, uh, this is Shora, and enjoy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Game Dev Unchained, the number one game development podcast about game development i am your host brandon fam you can follow me at twitter or tweet at me anytime at blue champs and uh let's talk about it man so our guest this week is a special one a dear colleague and friend we have on the line shora barahani hanny oh my god i don't know how to say your last name how are you doing <laughs> good i'm good uh been a while i was there i, I was in your podcast maybe a year and a half ago yeah, it's been a, quite a long time. So uh, this is the part of the podcast, actually, Shora, uh, that uh, we have our od- uh, or our guests introduce themselves to our audience out there of who you are, where you're from, where you're heading, just to give them an idea of uh, how special you are. Um, so I am, I think, quick, like because I've said it before, I'm originally from Iran. I came to USA maybe 15, 14 years ago. Uh, but like my first real gig in the gaming industry was as, a, as an environment artist at Raven. I made a couple of short films. 
they really liked my environment work and they offered me a position. So I moved to Wisconsin for two years. And then after that, I came to Sledgehammer to be on a lead team for Call of Duty titles. So that's where I met you and, you know, the other guys. <clears throat> and I was there till we shipped Advanced Warfare. And then I was on a round of layoffs. Uh, my visa was not good. So I had to kind of switch the industry. Uh, and I went for like a detour of like essentially a more tech startup like in 2015 that worked in the, like, you know, essentially working in like making the art, bringing art, CG architecture and all of that to uh, like house, like to furniture shopping experience. And after that, I came to Pocket Gems. Again, I saw you there. We were in different teams. I was on episode, you were on War, War Dragons. And after that, I went to Naughty Dog. I was there on a six-month contract to work on Last of Us 2. Uh, it's actually been pretty crazy. In the past year, I have switched three jobs. Uh, like after like first Naughty Dog, then went to a small team that we worked on a Stadia title uh, for four months. It was a very small team. And after that, since then, I've been with uh, 2K and uh, with Ghost Story Games. And it's the team, the Ken Levine team, that it was originally irrational. And yeah, it's been very exciting actually. But the funny thing is that studio is in Boston and I work for them remote uh, for the past three months, even though I'm in LA. <laughs> Yeah, man. Um, it's a story that uh, I think most game developers who've been in the industry for a while are, are quite familiar with moving the family, moving everybody. You're married now, right? Do you have a kid yet? Pardon me? Do you have a kid yet? No, right? No, no, no. It's just I'm, I'm married, but no kids. No. <laughs> but uprooting the family uh, from California to Boston is quite a move. Yeah. And uh, it, yeah. it's just part of the deal being a game developer. I think yeah. you go where the good jobs are. That's go the thing. Ahead. Like, um, they offered me a remote position. So I have been in LA, like, even though, like, uh, so I, you know, the opportunity was like when they contacted me, I told them, hey, I actually don't mind moving, but um, the, the, because of this, they want to keep the size of the team a certain amount of size. And um, yeah, even though I'm a full-time employee, I'm working remote for them from LA. So since I have moved to LA, I haven't moved. Well, that's good, man. So at least you were able to kind of, hold your ground for <laughs> for a little while um before you had to uproot and leave and um well this this episode i kind of want to concentrate on what has been kind of been a hot topic it's been kind of like an open <laughs> secret within the industry and uh you know naughty dog is something that i always go back to every year you see this grand posting of uh jobs at Naughty Dog, just pretty much every position right before Christmas. And uh, I think the layman, uh, the normal person who looks at that thinks that, wow, Naughty Dog is really growing their team. Like they must be over a thousand people right now. But most, the the, the truer uh, reason for that is just well, there's a lot of turnover rate, right? A lot of people quit or most of these are contractors and uh, are, are simply burnt out. And so a lot of people exit the door. Um we recently had a roundtable episode with a bunch of game developers on on board. And one of the article that kind of been getting a lot of exposure lately has been the Kotaku article talking about crunch culture 
over at Naughty Dog and uh, how basically from Uncharted 4 to Last of Us 2, 70% of designers are not there anymore. And which, uh, of course, causes a lot of problems with development and a lot of um, just upkeep and, and, and trying to get the grips of the technology and well, I mean, it ruins the the synergy between artists and designers as soon as someone who's been there for one development cycle leaves and then you're dealing with a new person, right? So I, I kind of want to dig into your experience firsthand, uh, how it was. Because um, I think still, even with hearing all that, most developers who get to get that email saying, hey, we want to bring you on board, or even, even before that process – the interview process. Um, let's talk about that. I mean, how excited were you to kind of finally be a part of this um, culture that's kind of always redefining games as it's coming out? So, um, yeah, it was like I was there for a, like a six-month contract. So, essentially, when I was at Pocket Gems toward the end of it, actually, they were very gracious. They told me early on that the project I was on is get, kind of getting canceled. And they gave me a little heads up. So eventually, like, I had time. And with regards to Naughty Dogs, regardless of your skill or your, like, you know, how experienced you are, they don't care. They want a test. Um, so um, as usual, they send me the test. Um, I, I typically, because they are a full Maya studio, I'm not a Maya guy, but I rarely ever, like, you know, thought about them as much as they are like a well-known studio. But, you know, I did the test for them. I think I did a very good job. And, you know, I got the call and everything worked out. But the way that Naughty Dog works compared to every other place I've worked on is they start everyone, again, regardless of the skill, they just pay more. But uh, they just bring you in with a contract, with a short-term contract via a third party. Um, This was my first time, like, you know, going through this process. And of course you're getting like, you know, because you're a contract employee, that's, you're not salary based, you're hourly. So you can benefit from, you know, working overtime, you know, the California rules are like, you know, one and a half times past eight hours, you know, and after 10 hours, it's like double the, the salary, like the rate. Um, so <clears throat> of course these help. Uh, and again, they, you know, when I joined, I think I got a good rate from them. Um, and, and I started like, you know, within a month, I, I had to move myself, you know, I had to pay out of my, my pocket to come to, um, LA, uh, but yeah. Uh, and then I started, um, again, the, the studio itself, you're right. Like you think, <laughs> first of all, they are pretty big, like, or big, like when we were at Sledgehammer, I think at our peak, we were 200 people. Like the moment I entered Naughty Dog, it was probably up of 250 already. And we were not even peaking yet. Um, yeah. And then th- th- there is kind of this separation between like um, the contracts and the part, like, you know, full-time employees, um, which kind of creates a little divide, even like the positioning of the seats that they are seating. Um, but overall, I like again, Naughty Dog, because the quality of the game that you're working on, the amount of knowledge and information you absorb, the patience they had with me about learning Maya, everything, it was like very like nice for me. But uh, 
there is like, you know, give and take with regards to every studio and that was one of them. Um, yeah. Uh, I think one of the, so there's a lot of rumors for, for, for a lot of people who, who, who don't have the experience. I mean, we have friends there and I'm sure you heard these stories, even if you're not being like a super mm-hmm. fan, more, more hardcore than others. Uh, I, I'm sure you've heard rumors about how, how crazy they are with French culture and how that's the only way. Well, it's actually quoted within the article how it's the only way they know how to ship games. And so it's, it's kind of grinded into them that this is the only way we can get to the next level and upgrade ourselves uh, by literally killing ourselves every cycle. Although each, um, I mean, what, what kind of talks was happening? Were you kind of jumping into their uh, system already, already in crunch culture or did it ramp up slowly? I mean, what kind of warnings or, or anything with HR did they talk to you about or was it just understood that this is the type of uh, thing that you're going to walk into and it, it's not spoken about as much? So first of all, I did, before I continue, by the way, that article by Kotaku is raised, written by Jason Schreier. I didn't talk to him in that occasion with that about this situation, so I'm not one of those people, but um, he, like, he's a very good writer. Uh, but in general, back to the Naughty Dog talk, I think I joined them when they were like starting to ramp up for the full production. Like one of the great thing about that studio was like the moment you entered, you're presented with like, you know, Hey, this is the game that we are making. Like there's, there's because, because people come in to the office, so they, there's not much concept work on display, but at the same time, there is like presentations. There's a lot of documentation that you can go through and like, you know, familiarize yourself, yourself with, uh, what is like the game that you're working on? What section of the game you're, and the way it works is for us, the environment artist is, they essentially give you a full level, do whatever you want to do. And you, it's like between you, a modeler and a texture guy. Um, and it was just ramping up at the time. So at the time, uh, like when I started, nothing crazy. And in general, I personally like didn't get too crazy, like crunch, even like after six months, because I would take like, you know, lunch breaks, go like, you know, have a, like, you know, play basketball, but there is a certain point in the studio that, you know, you start seeing these emails, like, you know, like, hey, if you want to work 60 hours, it's fine. We are approving it. Um, you, and like, you know, we are providing, you know, food and all of that, although that thing is its own. Like, you know, I remember when we were at Pocket Gems, there was like, off, like free lunch, everything. And they were so chill about it. Like when you are going to some of these game studios, they think they're giving you like so much benefits with providing you food and stuff. Dude, these are tax deductibles. Um, and yeah, uh, so there is not necessarily any force, but you're looking at your peers and you're looking, hey, this look, looks really good. I want to keep up. You know, you're an artist. You want to create the best work you're doing and you have the tools to create the best work you're doing. Like there are certain times, like, you know, when we were on Call of Duty, the tools, there were certain things that did not fit, like, you know, if you're working, like, on sci-fi thing, the tools are not suited for that. But in Naughty Dog, the tools are there. Everything is there. Uh, so you are trying to push the best that you can do, and you see your peers, you're walking past by a VFX person. He's doing a fantastic job creating just waves, you know. 
um, like everything you see is so high quality. You want to prove yourself that you are capable of doing that high quality. Um, and but there is not necessarily any force uh, that says, "Hey, you have to stay this long." But overall, um, I I over time, but it wasn't in a, in a way that because again I took the lunch breaks. Hey, maybe this worked in a way that they <laughs> canceled my contract after six, six months because I wasn't staying till eleven at night. Who knows? But um, uh, I personally. But I was seeing a lot of people who are there, like, for very long hours. And, like, the person next to me, you know, the kid, like, he was coming off of it. Like, you know, this was his, his first main gig. And he was, like, staying till late, coming to work, like, super drawn out and tired again. And, again, some of the scenes that were given to him because the quality they want from him um, is so high. He's just, like... There are parts that he was like, how do I do this? How can I get over this hump? You know, and it was a lot of that. It's definitely crunch culture's um, young man's game for sure. I think yeah. I think even if you take uh, your younger self, right? Let's say you're probably a few years in the industry and you are starting at Naughty Dog. You have everything to want to prove yourself and i think and that's the dangerous part of this whole crunching idea is that people have this misconception that there's a manager a producer uh like a tolga <laughs> that comes at your desk and then points fingers and, and forces you to stay or else right but the reality is, is mm-hmm. like they can't legally do that right because it will cause an uproar but it, it's more like subtle peer pressure you, you see everyone are in your yeah. cubicle pushing really hard and even if you clock out at 7 p.m a normal like that's even later than normal right 6 to 7 p.m there's a sense of guilt uh or mm-hmm. you, you don't want to be the first one out right and 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 mm-hmm. and, and there's um it, it's mostly driven by peer pressure so we have like a a good experience at least that we can draw from right so i don't know about you but um we worked since we work at pocket gems together right that was my mm-hmm. first mobile outside the traditional game industry company, right? Yeah. And I was very shocked at how open and yeah. uh, because it's not quite like Facebook where they have like chefs in the kitchen, but we had catered mm-hmm. dinner and uh, lunch every single day. And like every yeah. month there was like a team outing of some sort. And then every two months there's like a bigger team outing and so there's always seems to be every week an activity outside of just sitting at your desk to keep you busy and for the first time there was like a huge sense of security where it didn't feel like every deadline was our last um and then after that uh, I, I kind of want to hear your thoughts about having that type of experience and then going to back to traditional uh a highly praised studio such as Nadia, the best of the best of AAA. By this point, they have eight like uh, top-selling games every time they, they ship, right? Can you kind of compare those experiences and dive a little deeper about the differences where you felt like, oh, wow, we're, we're really still behind on, on the accommodations here for game developers? So, yeah, like we need with Pocket Gems, I think, again, the work that I was working on might not have been the most fulfilling 
think artistically because the project I came to Pocket Gems for never got off the ground. But in general, yeah, like other even than the like, you know, catered food and all like, you know, the fantastic kitchen and all of that. It was just like the chill vibe. And also it was at the time that remember, like you remember, like I tore my my knee, like, you know, my knee got shattered at the time. And like I was on crutches and I was going to physical therapy. And the physical therapy was in our building. So sometimes in the middle of the day, I would go out for one hour, one and a half hours. Everyone, and then I would stay later, of course. But in general, everyone was so relaxed about it. Like, you know, the, like even though it was at three o'clock that I would go. Um, and then the art director that I worked on, like, sh- sh- like, again, there was a lot of, you were very in good touch with everyone who you were working with. And that's what really disappointed me when I got to Naughty Dog. Like Naughty Dog, again, I, I just wanted to get back to AAA games because I was away for so long. Uh, so I was willing to accept a lot of this. So I went with certain expectations that, hey, just work hard in this like six months that you are there. Uh, I just want to get back to AAA. But like, like it was shocking for me. Even if you remember, we were like at um, Sledgehammer and uh, you could go talk to Glenn anytime. He was so chill. You can, you know, bring ideas to him, the, the, you know. But Naughty Dog, even though it's a first party, like, you know, the, the, it's their own title, it's a lead studio. But when you go there, like, there's so deep, so much divide. That, to be frank, in the time that I was there, um, I even, I only met the creative director of the game once, just, like, in an elevator. And I introduced myself to him. I was just hiding, like, you know, I'm, I started working here. Um, and like, they don't like the, the upper management of the studio. I don't think they did. They just look at you as a number per se, like just to finish this game. Um, but you are not someone who's like, essentially, oh, we are ingraining you as the core of the studio. Like other people would have communication with you. Um, it was very, I, I, I personally did not like the culture at all, but um, like it was also shocking coming from such a family vibe of like you know uh, pocket gems and again even like sledgehammer we were very united like you know during advanced warfare even though we were like uh, like 150 200 we knew everyone we collaborated with everyone um, th- the ideas were flowing but I think uh, yeah it was very difficult for me to adjust to some of that at, at Naughty Dog. Commenting a bit more on the culture shock, um, do they try to at least have some activities during your six months there? I mean, I, I totally agree. <laughs> you got to be there at least two years before before one of the leads actually look at you when they're giving you tests. Yeah. <laughs> because, they're, they're, you know, it really is every year they have a whole truckload of contractors come in to help finish development. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those don't make the cut. And we can talk about that a bit more uh, in a bit. But um, what kind of stuff do you feel like? I mean, they are a pretty big studio. The problems are pretty pretty widely known. I mean, were there conversations mm-hmm. about this while you were there with your colleagues about, hey, man, nah, it seems like we just come in there and work and leave uh, really late. I mean, is there any... Um, any other picture that you feel like while you were there that you felt like, hey, they're, they're making some kind of effort, a little picnic <laughs> here and there? We, we, you, I used to laugh at that, but but like, what kind of efforts um, have they been making? 
just to paint them in I a fair picture. I, I honestly think they did a little effort because actually the location of the studio of Naughty Dog is is isn't this like nice building that has a lot of like water park like like there's a like a park area essentially around it. It's a nice area. So if you want to go for a walk lunch times, it's pretty nice. Uh, and they do a little events here and there. I'm not like saying they don't. And actually, like every Friday, like you know, they have a bagel day or something like that. They typically do these sort of events, but like they're, when I'm saying like there's no unity, like let's say somebody is cooking something for, it's just for their own group. There's no like, oh, hey, the rest of the team, we have like, you know, I made this like great, like, you know, cookie basket and come and share, share in the kitchen with us. Like, you know, it, it wasn't, there is a divide. There is no. Um, like company wild email like that. It's just like if you go to kitchen and you see something, you pick it up. But there is no like, hey, how who should I thank for this? Like you know, there's no none of that. Um, but uh, I think that part is fine. Um, and yeah, sometimes uh, uh, for me it was just a divide between the the contracts and again even like some of the Sony stuff because. Naughty Dog is a Sony team, so there is certain like Sony benefits that go um, with you know with one side that uh, hey all the full times you have these you know Sony activities that you can do, but the contracts cannot you know enjoy any of that. Oh wow, let's let's dig into that. So there's a <laughs> so when it comes to activities and it's stuff, there's an action. It's, it's, it's subtle division. No, it's like okay. It's not a big thing, but it is like, these are the things that eventually all build up to create more divide. You know what I mean? It's not, oh, I can't enjoy the Sony movies. I can't go to the Sony Love Theater because I'm a contract here. It's not, it's not a big deal. Like, you know, or, but it's just the addition and addition and addition like that all builds up to create this you know, like we are contractors in this room and then like all the main guys are in the main hallway. Again, maybe it's just because we don't have enough room, so we have to put you in this like, you know, separate section. But it all builds up toward the divide, like, you know, so, step by step. It's not it's not a thing like, you know, right. one thing that says, oh, you know, this was such a heartbreak for me. No, it's you let it go. And but over the course of like all these together, it becomes something. So you felt like there's definitely, rightfully so, right? By this time, so many contractors go in and out of that studio by now that they have some type of and, system to kind of get used to for, and, for newcomers. Right? And it's not just like, like, you know, Naughty Dog, honestly. Like, I've, I've been noticing a lot of companies, like especially Microsoft, like all these big like publishers are now starting to like go through this contract hire which I think is terrible for the industry. Like as much as we want to talk about crunch and how bad it is, I honestly think this contract situation is even worse. Um, like we are talking about all these, like talk about like, you know, union unions and stuff. Unions has its own issues too. But I think that like my first job was at Raven. I was a full time. We had like junior guys who were still like, full time but like you know they were lower salary so everybody's taken care of but we going through the contracts essentially the companies are washing off their hands off of any benefits um any like you know bonuses that you you, you might participate in the future like sales of the game 
Uh, and I, that's the part that I hate the most, you know, in general, like that's the industry is adopting. Um, like right after even Naughty Dog, I had offer from some VR company that they were also giving me like a, you know, part-time, like, you know, like contract position. They were very high pay, but then I got another, you know, position that was like full-time. So I definitely took the salary full-time because it's just the contract. I, 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 like, I'm really opposed to it uh, at this moment. Again, some of them provide certain health benefits, but it's so bad that it's just you're better not doing even getting it. All right, guys, let's take a short break and have a word from our sponsors. This episode sponsored and brought to you by Core. Core is a new free game creation platform that lets you create, share, and play games using the power of Unreal Engine. With Core, no coding or art skills are required. You can get started making games right away using thousands of free, high-quality music, sound, and art assets. But if you like to get nerdy with Core, still lets you create your own game logic in Lua, coding script, and build your own levels and art with their easy-to-use tools. The best part is you don't need to worry about some of the hassle that normally goes into making games. Core takes care of the difficult stuff such as multiplayer networking. You can build games from scratch or remix and reimagine content shared by other creators. And you're ready to publish. Your game will go live instantly on the Core platform with the click of a button. You can go into the link description of this podcast and support it by clicking on the link and check out Core Games. Or go directly right now, go to coregames.com and... Brace yourself for awesomeness. I am super impressed by this platform. Not only am I endorsing it right now, we are running a game jam with them for Game School Online. And you guys should definitely go check that out if you want to win some awesome prizes. I'm talking about some RTX 2070 NVIDIA cards for first place winners. This is something that you can team up with a partner and both win some RTX cards. When we do have placements for first, second, and third, where second and third, you get some awesome Amazon gift cards. So all you need to do is go over to beta.gameschoolonline.com and click on the Core 101 course. Yes, I have made a course for you guys so that you don't have to learn Core on your own. So with this lovely voice, I will guide you through four weeks of content. We're talking about 72 video tutorials to help you learn core and participate in the retro game jam that we have going on right now. Super exciting, super fun. I will be there with you, with your partner, and we have our Discord server up so you won't feel alone. And believe me, as long as you finish, there's a good chance you will win one of the prizes. The cool thing is, as I've mentioned before, no coding is necessary, no art creation outside of core it's possible, right? Everything's going to be done within core. So the playing field is set equally and all of it is just opportunity and hard work. So what else you're going to do for the next four weeks? This is all going to be happening all throughout May. We're quarantined. We might as well use that time efficiently and upgrade your graphics card and have fun with the community. Again, all the links are in the description of this podcast episode for both what Core is as well as where to sign up for the Game Jam. So go over there and check that out. Support the podcast. Support yourself. Help me help me help you. Now back to the episode. 
Yeah, I mean, you can expand this actually and broaden this topic. So we already see the visual effects company moving into that direction where it's like 99% Mm -hmm. contractors. And uh, Mm -hmm. they, I I think, in a way are uh, suffering from it uh, because, Mm -hmm. you know, you you watch any movies, you look at the credits, there's like a billion people in a billion different studios. And it is admirable that they are able to kind of come together and have a director uh, piece all those things and make sure it's, um, you know, uh, uh, fluid. But the mistake is, and the reality is, there's all the visual effects companies for the industry has moved out of California, has moved out of the country, are in Canada, overseas. And, uh, you know, we, we would have very familiar stories where one visual effects company would win an Oscar that week. And then at the end of the week, you hear that the studio completely (laughs) laid off and and shut down, right? That's very common. Uh, I do feel like games are a little bit more special where we can't completely outsource every bit of a game uh, where we have just one studio handle design, one studio handle art, you know, there is some kind of, uh, at least it requires so far they haven't been able to crack it. And I, I totally believe that these studio execs are, are trying to crack this where they can compartmentalize disciplines. But at the very moment, there's at least a very small core team. And what I'm seeing is what you're saying is that they're, they're either contracting it to individuals or uh, outsourcing companies uh, while keeping the core team very small to kind of combat the, heavy overhead which is part of the issue right so i want to ask you this um the contracted thing well it it is a move that we've been seeing the last five years and i agree with you i think early in my career it was more common to get offered full-time uh than it is now i think uh, a lot of companies are, are offering contract jobs first now by default and um where where do you what kind of implication are you seeing uh from us continuing that way with this industry like we're seeing the top not the top dogs like naughty dog like microsoft moving in this way and they're kind of the movers right uh how do you see this playing out in the next few years if this is the trend that that's what causes all these like overheads you know like i think um Yes, there are certain tasks that you might be able to outsource, but um, I, 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 yeah, we are heading into that visual effects, like you know, um, mess that they are they are in right now. Like they are like one of the industries that they do all the hard work and get none of the benefits, and um, and some of it has to do with the people that do VFX and games because we are just like. You know, because we enjoy the project that we are not like a factory worker that said, oh, oh, I definitely want to work on like, you know, creating pure. No, I, we are people who generally like people who are at Naughty Dog. A lot of them are like, I love Last of Us. That's why I'm here at Naughty Dog. So they would, I would do whatever I want to, you know, work on this, like, you know, Last of Us 2. I don't care about the pay. I don't care about benefits. I just want to be part of Last of Us 2. But or like after three years, they get to a point they're like, oh, I have family now. This is not the way that life's supposed to go. Um, so I think, um, yeah, it's part of it comes to the people that we are the people that make these games and we accept that the, the prop, we are part of the problem, but at the same time, we need to grow up and think of it like 
our video game industry as like, you know, other main industries that we are here to just do our job and do it well. But, you know, like we, we, we should be part of like what, what we are making as well. Um, yeah, it's, it is the way it is going with contracts. I, I genuinely like, you know, don't accept, like I, I, I would stay away from them. Like I, I fortunately I, I have been in this industry for a while. Um, I have good portfolio, but I, 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 I understand your side too, that you would say some junior kid who just wants to get put in the door, he would accept anything and he would go for it. He or she would go for it. Um, uh, but like one thing for me to help this industry is just eliminate a lot of these contracts. Like right now, also like when I get like when Microsoft, let's say, post a position because they sent it as a third party, suddenly my like LinkedIn is flooded with all these like you know requests from recruiters because they are all third party companies that they are hiring for that position in Microsoft. So it's just so annoying. Like again, it's a minor annoyance, but um, like the fact that you are being forced to like respond to to one you know recruiter, so they would relay your information to another recruiter inside Microsoft. Then that person relays your information if it's good enough to the art director or whatnot. It's just such a, creates such a chain of disconnect. Um, yeah, um, I, I I think this is the biggest, like one of the biggest issues that the, as a gaming industry, we need to stand against, like, you know, all these, like, you know, the contract works. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a situation like, um, well, older developers generally have life situations that doesn't allow them to accept contract work, right? Uh, you're, you're married, I'm married, uh, you know, I have kids, right? So... If you look at one end of the spectrum where where students or newcomers or juniors are are totally accepting of this type of situation, uh, and then to the other spectrum where we're older, more experienced, more expensive, and just more uh, have more dependencies, right? Uh, it's harder for us to kind of accept these contracts as the way moving forward because it just puts our family ourselves in so much in a compromising situation when anyone gets sick uh and much worse like how how can someone rely on a six-month contract and basically not know where they're going to be in six months like how, how does rent and mortgage work like that right you, you're basically <laughs> I mean, you're fortunate enough to kind of find a place and had the ability to kind of, all right, uproot, move to Boston. But most families like myself is like, no, there's no way, not at this time. Like my kids are situated right now. They're, they're, they're familiar with their school systems and they have friends and it's too crazy of a move. Like, so now I'm more locked into this area more than ever. Um, I do want to kind of, so what? I remember you, I remember you since you were like your family was living in OC exactly. and you know your job was in pocket gems in San Francisco you had to fly keep back flying back and forth between OC and San Francisco it was just like I felt for you it was so difficult like when I saw that I was just yeah. like, this is really difficult every week That's the breaking point yeah and it's a it's a crazy story man we're more experienced uh, and more knowledgeable about our craft 
later in a career, but I was finding myself in a situation where I have less and less choice because of my salary and uh, just, the, you know, just having just knowing enough that, you know, I can't just accept anything because I, I I'm not that desperate where I could just accept the bottom of the barrel and, and just be okay with it. It's like, I need to have some kind of daily happiness from this job. Otherwise I know I can't handle it. Right. But yeah, I mean, my situation alone was very familiar in that vein. It's like, wow, like this is forcing me to go to commute the craziest commute of my life. Right. Uh, just flying every week to San Francisco and then living in Orange County in the weekend. But uh, it was uh, done because I had a plan in mind. Now I'm full time at home. I've been doing this for a year now. And um, I, I kind of want to flip the script a bit. Right. Because I think it's always good to kind of um, look at the other perspective. All right. Why, why are companies doing this right now? Uh, is it more volatile than ever for them to kind of take the risk and hire all but full-timers, you know? Why are they being so picky with this? Why do they think contractors are the best route moving forward, at least to get a new company started? Uh, have you given that much thought on the other side of the, you know, uh, like a naughty dog? It's like, why, why exactly naughty dog is hiring contractors every year uh, in exchange for losing senior full-timers basically i mean that's the problem that they're trying to hit right now right uh cheaper. in exchange of what, cheaper okay <laughs> do you but, think that they really have a hard time retaining talent as well because of um, this so, so for me it was like i personally think like i was one of the more expensive contracts at naughty dog and like i remember like when I was like, when they gave me, hey, we are not going to renew your contract, I asked every lead and every person, like, what was the reason? Like, nobody gave me a reason. Like, everybody was like, dude, we loved your work. We gave you some of the most difficult scenes in the game, and you handled them all very well. Your scenes look great, but we are letting you go. Well, at the same time, I'm in the studio, and I'm saying, seeing, like, Rather than merely like, you know, if, and again, it's not a cycle that they were just like, oh, we are cutting down the number right now. We are in a good place. No, I'm seeing there's like for every one of me, there's two junior kids coming into the to the job. And, you know, the, all of them work like extra hours, like full, like without any, you know, the, the, I remember seeing this kid like and the, there were so many seats. They are actually all sitting actually to the way to the kitchen now. It, it, the, 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 the work, the workplace was very feel like you run out of space. But in general, I'm seeing this kid that's like doesn't even take his jacket off when he gets to work. He's just sitting and working nonstop. Um and like they're junior kids, so I'm definitely sure they're much cheaper than me. Um, uh, and again, you're, uh, with regards to big, again, if you're a small company, you're a team of seven or eight, I understand that you don't have the backing to fully support, like guarantee this guy is going to be with me for one year. Like, you know, so I give him a full, you know, uh, full-time position, but um, for these big companies that they know this game is going to last at least one more year, you know, we, we are, we need to, when we actually, like, they put the effort to train me with Maya. So I've put like two, three weeks for this guy to fully adjust to our pipeline or, you know, technology, and then letting him go after six months, considering his work was very good. Like, you know, I, I don't think it's, 
it's positive at all, you know, uh, and probably cost and, you know, trying to wash off your hands of like, you know, again, providing benefits to employees is expensive. Um, guaranteeing that some people potentially would get the, you know, bonuses in the end is expensive, you know, for the upper management. So some of these, I think, uh, plays a part in, you know, these companies switching to contract roles, uh, to, to answer your question. So I kind of want to go through an exercise with you, actually, while we're, um, let's say I, I hand over. I know we both of us are, are not smart enough or experienced enough to kind of turn this whole shit around. But let's just try. Right. Let's just kind of go through this kind of exercise of um, if, if we were handed the keys to the kingdom tomorrow, like Naughty Dog. Right. Or like, hey, mm-hmm. we're we're open to kind of fixing this. All right. We'll give you about a year to kind of figure this out. How can we still ship the game on time, retain talent and just do the right thing? Right. How can we turn a lot of these top talent contractors into actual jobs? Because, I mean, the, the carrot at the end of the stick for contractors is it's a familiar story across the board, right? Here's, um, you know, here's six months of contract, but Hey, if you do really, really good, if you try really, really hard, this can turn and extend to full time. But we know for a fact, that's only like 1%, like one out of 30 people may get that, that full time, uh, conversion. Right. So, um, let's throw that out. So how, how would you propose, that uh, uh, a place like Naughty Dog or all these big time companies start tackling this issue and just keep from uh, delaying their game because they're losing talent. Like how exactly can we solve this issue uh, in an ideal way that uh, benefits everybody? Um, I don't know. The system we had in for Call of Duty teams were pretty good, you know, and um, for me, the, the, the way I actually call it kind of Call of Duty pipeline work was very cool too. Like essentially they have divided the work to multiple studios. I think that's one good solution that, you know, Activision was very smart about. Again, some, it kind of, they fell into it because of the Infinity War situation, but, uh, like back in Modern Warfare 3, but that's how it started because now they would divide the work between, you know, like somebody's handling most of the single player uh, part of parts of multiplayer goes to Raven, you know, sometimes high, high moon jumps in and they had all these studios. And again, let's think about like, you know, Raven is a talent studio, but their overhead is so much less than, than Sledgehammer because they are in Wisconsin. Wisconsin is so much cheaper than, you know, compared to, you know, California. And honestly, the salaries may be, you know, go lower by maybe 15 to 20%. But the overhead of the studio is so much less. Um, So you can, you know, save a lot of cost there. And there's a lot of talent there. It's a good place to live at. Um, I think this idea of having multiple studios working on a title kind of helps, but it needs good communication. Um, That's something I think would be helpful. Um, that probably based on my experience, what I've seen, uh, has been very good. And again, certain, certain tasks, of course, you can hire to third party companies for those certain tasks to be done. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, uh, I think 
having a, a second, even like I know Insomniac has a second studio in North Carolina. So um, North Carolina, of course, is cheaper. So I think dividing some of these studios and maintaining good communication. And again, this like um, COVID situation actually kind of shows that um, a lot of people can work remotely and, you know, stay with true means of communication, uh, work very well. Um, like our entire team is now off, like, you know, not on site. Um, again, I think you mistook me. I, I am in LA. The team is in Boston, but, um, yeah, we are like, you know, everybody in Boston also not at the site right now. Everybody's working from home, but the communication is still very well. Uh, the tools of the communication are very good. And yeah, we, we're still like working on a daily basis uh, to, to, you know, do our tasks and, you know, work on the game that we are on right now. All right. Let's talk about that a bit, man. Uh, I guess I misheard that at the beginning. So you're still in Los Angeles right now, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So this is kind of like part of the solutions that I've been kind of seeing from studios. Aside from studios kind of building up responsibly kind of keeping a core team in house and then using outsourcing or co-development studios to kind of help build the team, uh, which is a better, I think, responsible approach than to have like a huge company with a bunch of full timers kind of trying to ship this one game. And then when that game doesn't work, which in most cases won't, right? Because it's a first time game for a studio. Uh, a lot of layouts happen, right? Which has been the cycle yeah. for the PS2 era, PS3 era, and some PS4 era. So I, I think the one of the other solutions that I've seen from uh, studios has been that where they have a small core team and they're just slowly sparsing that out. Uh, and uh, keeping a group of contractors outside of the the main studio and not just a single contractor bringing them in and, and just a lot of them right and then something like what you're going through like um where studios are more getting more and more open to hiring full-timers and allowing them to live where they want to live like uh, if anything you know this whole covid thing and the virus it's it's terrible right it, it, basically all industries have been completely uh put on breaks right the game industry if anything somewhat of a delay but a lot of companies are are more uh open to converting to working from home now and i hope it's a trend that continues after this whole thing blows over but uh before this whole thing happened it sounds like something similar to your situation a lot of AAA senior developers are allowed this option because you have proven yourself in the industry you have proven yourself to be reliable uh of, of quality work and so companies are like you know what we don't want you to go to boston because the truth is not a lot of people want to live in certain areas i'm sure boston's great but it's very different boston is fantastic Actually, it, it's yeah. a beautiful. I honestly, if they told me, like, because I didn't move because my lease was not over, but if they okay. told me, hey, we would move to Boston, uh, after a certain point, I was like, I would totally move there. It's a beautiful city. Uh, but I, the, the biggest issue is like, there's other than this studio that I'm in right now, there's nothing else in Boston. So when you think about like the future, like once we ship this game or whatnot, like what happens next? You know, that's where you kind of hesitate about thinking about Boston, but Boston itself is a beautiful city. So is your, um, 
and let me know if this is like NDA stuff or stuff or, or whatever. Are, are you pretty much going to sh- be shipping the game from Los Angeles or are you just there temporarily until your lease is up and then you have to go? What? How does it work? Um, no, I, I am like remote. Like, you know, I think until nice. the end of the game, as far as I know, like, like even I told them, hey, once my lease is like, I actually finished the lease. I just like, you know, finished the lease and renewed and they were like, no, we, we, like, you know, you're working very well, you know, uh, everything is good. And, but the thing is, one thing that really helped was, like, I also, like, went to the studio for a couple of weeks in Boston, stayed there, learned everyone, you know, who, who and, you know, gaming is still, like, a you need, there's certain things you need to be in presence of each other. I'm, yeah. I'm saying, like, you know, it's great, communications tools are great, but still, uh, until you talk to a designer, you know, I'm an artist guy, so I talk to a designer. Until I talk to that person in person, I can't get a feel of like what he likes, what sort of ideas he likes. You know, it that initial like setup of me to be a couple of weeks in Boston, working with everyone, getting to know everyone, really helped. You know, in this setup, and and again, like you know, um, with regards, like I said, like with Raven. Um, you not everyone needs to be outside. You still need a hub, but this hub can be like you know, one hub could be in California, one hub could be in a you know cheaper area, and they still collaborate. And again, out they can have like outside people like you know that come in and out. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, definitely, man, and. Um... It, it is very true, right? I think um, I've always been a big proponent of um, because of the situation, right? I, I always contrast it to the status norm for game developers. We're always asked to move for the companies we really want to work for, right? And uh, so many unexpected things where it's so expected now, where layoffs or a project not doing well, it's like more often than not, uh, we're either force out of a situation uh without our input and we have to look for another job and you know if you work in la even if you work in la or seattle or one of these game industry hubs you might be able to do like a crossover to another studio around that area but it's not that easy either right sometimes they're not looking around that time and you're kind of forced Mm -hmm. oh wow even if me being in this hub i can either hunker down for another two three months and hope that something comes by or i you know there's a there's a job in seattle right now that's offering me a gig um do i take that chance and most people don't take that chance right uh and, and stay they take that job you go you follow where the job is and um and so naturally I, I was like man what is the solution to this because we have game developers constantly switching places living in areas and it just gets harder with family and mortgages and all that and um, naturally, the solution is well, let people work from their homes and just communicate like this mm-hmm. and, and figure this, uh, this out because it feels like the other way around is is non-sustainable. You're going to burn people out and and, and people are just going to settle. And, and so the people that you have on your team, although are still really good, are probably not going to be the best anymore because the best have options now um starting to have options and they rather stay where they are and don't want to Mm -hmm. go anywhere so we're losing a lot of talent that way but at the same time it 
it's pressuring these developers or these teams to kind of um, evolve a bit, right? But I, I totally uh, sign off in you saying like, there's uh, I've been doing this for a year, you know, working remotely and everything, and uh, telecommunicating with my team on everyday things. Uh, there is a huge increase of um, of needing to talk to each other more because uh, I think within the studio we kind of take it for granted that I can just turn over and, and talk mm-hmm. to you and just mm-hmm. kind of brainstorm with you. But like on text or even through webcam, everything's so subtle that it can come off badly or not strongly enough. You know what I mean? And so there's just, there's still a barrier with telecommunication and um, it's not quite there yet where we need it to be for game development to go super smooth. But this is by far a better option. Like, I, I love the fact that you can still work at your home for a studio across the country. I, I think that's a huge, I would say, improvement over the last four years. Like, four years ago, I don't think that was at all very common, right? I think it's like your situation right now is starting to become a thing, especially after this. I think it's going to become even more of a thing. Because now studios are, are scrambling to kind of get their IT f- infrastructure up. And that's going to be there for people to tap yeah. into. They're not going to completely destroy it and be like, all right, all right, let's get back people, get people back into the studio. Let's destroy like three months worth of work right now that's been working well and mm-hmm. getting momentum and, and, and get people back into the studio and just do what they need and to do. And also, like, let's be honest, like working from home takes a certain discipline like you yes. know you have to uh like you you know this is my work time you know you don't diddle daddle again all the security stuff are the same like i don't you know i i treat it as i'm like you know when i was at other inside the studio you know i actually i think when i'm at the studio i might diddle daddle more when i'm home i'm like actually more focused <laughs> but um yeah it's like it takes a certain discipline. You have to, at some point, force yourself to, hey, I need to go for a walk. Uh, a lot of these needs to be considered, like push yourself. And a lot of times, especially like now that I'm working with the three hour clock, like in front, like, you know, they are like, you know, East Coast time. Um, like I I start my day at like eight in the morning, 8.30 in the morning, but I still, my brain is adjusted to work until six or seven o'clock. So, like my hours actually are kind of more, but because you're home, you don't feel it. You know, you don't have any commute time wasted. Um, yeah, there is certain things, but in general, it, it, it takes certain discipline. And once you get past that, um, it, it is good. I, and again, this situation that we are in, it kind of is proving to all these, like, you know, disciplines of work because... Before this, I thought, oh, okay, maybe we can do this through art. But what about the design? What about the engineering? But uh, as I'm seeing, it's it's possible. Definitely, man. Um, So we're almost at the hour mark. I kind of want to end it with this. Um, We kind of started with talking about your experience over at Naughty Dog and and, um, opening your eyes on certain issues. So let's talk about the 
Well, I mean, whatever positive or negative um, impression that you had since your experience there, what, what have you learned? What's different now going through that experience? I mean, you're, you're definitely more of an advocate against contract work. Uh, what other things can you share with our listeners and viewers out there how it improved you as a person? Like, all right, I mean, I have a clear picture of what the, is, this industry needs to move away from, uh, what it needs to do to kind of help um, make us better? Um, I think one thing that I really liked about Naughty Dog was the clear vision that was already established. Um, like, you know, as I said, like from day one, you know, the narrative beats, of course, throughout development, it changes, like, you know, it evolves, but there is a, um, there is a very, you know, direct uh, idea of what we are doing. And again, the team is extremely talented. I have, like you know, the 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 lead that I I worked with. He he was incredibly gracious. You know, I learned Maya very well there. Um, there's a lot of positives. And again, you look at everybody's work. I did some of my best work. Again, the game is not out yet, so we cannot see it. But I did very good work. Uh, and the, you know, there's a lot of positives. You know that the. the the day-to-day with the person you're working, especially, as I said, the level is divided between you and a texture artist. Like, we were fantastic working to, with each other. We feed off each other. Um, yeah, that was, like, very positive. And again, coming back to AAA, then, you know, paving the way for me. Like, once I left Naughty Dog after six months, like, I, I had, you know, a lot easier uh you know, more offers like than I could, you know, coming out of that, you know, grind. Uh, yeah, I, there's a lot of positive to be said. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the title we worked on, you know, even though I wasn't there till the end, um, I'm looking forward to it. A lot of people would be surprised. <laughs> That's incredible, man. I'm looking forward to it too. Maybe when it comes out, we can talk about more about the, the game that's uh, under NDA right now. Um, I, I do want to kind of ask you one last thing before I kind of uh, say adieu. Um, so you kind of went through the AAA experience back and into the mobile experience, which opened your eyes and perks and security and then going back to the AAA experience. And, and now you're, you're kind of like, um, ghost story games is kind of like the, the mid level now, right? It's still AAA, but a smaller team. Um, what's your preference? Like, do you have certain preference based on these last few years of experience of like, Hey man, AAA has its glory, but yeah, pocket gem really, um, <laughs> Was uh, we were fat, we we're fat kings back then, yeah. So, so the thing is, like, right before, like, right now, Ghost Story, I was four months in a like tangent games, and tangent games was like we are a team of six or seven people, and like I was fully in charge of whatever art, you know. So, uh, like, that was a very cool experience too, because um, you can see how much can be done with small teams, you know. Um, like we were creating triple A quality game with seven people. Um, I don't think like Google has said that you know tangent games is working, but they haven't revealed anything. And I didn't. Um, there was a lot of things I also enjoyed in that size, but I think yeah, um, the perfect size still for for a good team is between thirty to sixty t- people, and then 
Um, if it's a very big game, it's a multitude of these teams of 30 to 60 people, I think. Um, it can go up to 100, but I think like the like Naughty Dog size was just too big. It gets too much, too out of hand. And um, and again, it you, you don't lose communication to the, you know, even though you might be junior or like, you know, a senior, but you might lose touch with any other disciplines, you know, and it, it it's not fun. That part is not, because the best part of gaming is the collaboration of all the elements that come together. And the bigger the studio gets, the less you feel about that. You just become focused on what you're doing. Definitely, man. So uh, this is at the end of the hour, and this is something you should be familiar with, where I kind of turn the mic over to our guest, you, Shora, to kind of give a shout out, give attention to any causes, website, how do people find you? Uh, go ahead and I'll shut up. Um, you can find me on shorespot.com or... Just like um, search me. I have my, I think my art station page is probably better. Just search my name. Uh, I don't think there are many Shoras in the, in the art station, so just Shora there. Uh, but uh, uh, shout out is like, I think like this week everybody has been watching Tiger King. So <laughs> it's like that show is fantastic. If you haven't watched it, watch that madness. Thank you, uh, Shora, for coming on. Always a joy. One of my best uh, colleagues. Always a fun time with you in the office. I miss you. Uh, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm thankful that I had at least two opportunities yeah, to work I with you. Be, I used to hug a lot of people. I would be a hazard in an office, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you definitely be ground zero or patient zero for, <laughs> for this. But uh, yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm 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 loving your situation. Uh, I'm super glad that you're 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 having a good deal going on, and and you're working from home. Like, I want to see this for more and more senior developers to kind of be exactly where you are, just working from home, which everyone is right now. But I hope that this uh, this percentage doesn't change too much once this whole thing blows over, uh, because I like I like seeing the comfort, and I always say and associate office politics with being in the office. And I feel like that uh, by not being there anymore, it eliminates a lot of the issues with at least for myself <laughs> in game development. It really really breaks down those barriers uh, to just create the game, man. Just don't worry about anything else. So right now I, I want to go straight to, uh, to the audience out there. If you have any questions, go ahead and um, hit us up at blue champs on Twitter. If you have any questions for Shora, I'm sure we can always follow up and, and ask him those things. So that concludes this week's podcast and I'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you are liking the podcast, go to the Apple iTunes store and give Game Dev Unchained a five-star rating. This will help spread the joy and love and exposure for the podcast, and we thank you very much. If you want to continue the conversation, go to our Discord, which can be found on our website, www.gamedevunchained.com. 
You can also follow me on Twitter at BlueChamps, B-L-U-C-H-A-M-P-S. You want to catch these episodes live every Tuesdays and Thursdays, go to twitch.tv forward slash blue underscore champs. Email me any of your concerns or questions that you want me to read aloud at the beginning of each episode at info at gamedevunchained.com. And if you want to further support us and help unlock the next feature, which is the voicemail future, go to patreon.com forward slash blue champs this gives listeners a chance to kind of call in leave a message for both me and the guests to answer your deepest darkest questions and comment on your deepest darkest secrets thank you everybody